0: Hey y'all, welcome back to Tail Wagon True Crime. I'm your host, Margaret Scott. In today's episode, I'm going to tell you about a man who is obsessed with sex, especially necrophilia, and he was nicknamed the sex beast. I'm sure a lot of you haven't heard of him as his crimes took place in the early 1950s in Virginia and Maryland. Um... Here is your warning for this episode. Due to the nature of these crimes, listener discretion is advised. This episode will contain information and discussions about necrophilia and murder and is not suitable for all ages. Imagine living in Virginia in the 1950s when most of Virginia was still farmland. Interstate 95 hadn't yet been built across northern Virginia. The mom-and-pop country stores were still prevalent, even in the Fredericksburg area, which is part of the area we'll be talking about today. And many Virginians left their doors unlocked as violent crimes were rare. All of this came crashing down when a family of four was murdered unexpectedly. As some of you may have already guessed, we'll be discussing Melvin David Reese Jr. in today's episode. In his early life, Melvin was known for his musical talent. He went to the University of Maryland where he played piano, saxophone, and clarinet. Eventually, he decided that he didn't need a degree or didn't want a degree and dropped out and traveled around the D.C. area playing in local nightclubs. Other than that, there isn't much known about Reese's early life or childhood or upbringing, so it's hard to say if there's something or anything that could have happened in his early life that led him down this eventual path. We do know that in 1955, he was arrested on assault charges of a 36-year-old woman. Uh, He tried to force her into his vehicle but she was able to escape. So yay her. Obviously, whatever she was doing, she got away, but she never pressed charges. And so the case was eventually dropped. And that until 1957 was, as far as we know, the worst he had done. However, we'll get into some other stuff later in the episode that might shock you a little bit. On June 26, 1957, Margaret and her boyfriend, who was a U.S. Army sergeant and on leave for the weekend, were both traveling through Annapolis, Maryland, when Reese forced them off the road in his green Chrysler. Reese, brandishing a gun, motioned for them to roll down the window. He demanded cigarettes and money, and when they didn't comply and refused... Uh, Reese shot Margaret point blank in the face. Margaret's boyfriend fled the scene and ran through several farms before finally reaching a farmhouse where he was able to call police. As police arrived on the scene, they found Margaret naked and Reese had sexually assaulted her. Police investigated the area to find more evidence when they happened upon an abandoned cinder block building. With a basement window broken, inside the building, they found some of the most disturbing images. They found violent pornographic images and autopsy photos of female corpses. They were these images and photos were taped all over the walls. They discovered a yearbook photo of a woman who was a graduate of the University of Maryland. Uh, some sources say she was a graduate in 1945, others say 1955. Given the dates of these, my guess would be she probably was a graduate of 1955, but we're not quite sure. Um, she was contacted but denied knowing a man that was tall and had dark hair because at the time that's all the sergeant really could give them. Of course, in 1950s, the forensics evidence was nothing compared to today. So, unfortunately, uh, Margaret's case went cold with no other leads until uh, he decided to kill again. This was two years later, or give or take about two years later. on On January 11th, 1959, the Jackson family was heading home to Apple Grove. Some of the sources say they lived in Apple Grove. Some source says they were leaving Apple Grove. Um, I'm going with they lived in Apple Grove, but I could be wrong. They had been visiting family in Louisa County, but stopped in Buckner. Um, I have not been able to find why they stopped in Buckner. They had two small children. So my guess is they may have stopped for gas or may have stopped for a bathroom break. Um, And for those of you that don't really know the area, uh, Buckner is about a 15 minute drive from Apple Grove or to Apple Grove. And it's Buckner is just south of Lake Anna in Virginia. And uh, Apple Grove is about a ten mile drive <clears throat> on route five twenty two to interstate sixty four near the Gum Spring exit. A family member that had also been driving the same way came across their abandoned vehicle. Some sources said the family members were following each other. However, that wouldn't make sense as this family member, didn't see anything happen. So the family member must have just been kind of passing through the area, maybe left several hours after the family did. Um, They found the abandoned vehicle and when police arrived on the scene, there was no sign of an accident and nothing wrong with the vehicle. So the worst was there was no sign of a struggle and the police, family and locals had nothing to go on. It was as if the family had just up and vanished. They just pulled over and vanished out of thin air. The Jackson story was public news and strangely enough, a couple came forward with a story of their own. They told police they had been forced off the road by an older modeled Chevrolet as he flashed his lights at them and cut them off. They watched the driver get out of the vehicle and start walking back towards theirs, but luckily this couple was able to quickly react and they put their car in reverse and was able to escape their fate. The Jackson family was composed of four individuals, the husband Carol Jackson and his wife Mildred and two little girls, a five-year-old Susan and an 18-month-old Janet. So I've also seen some sources say that the older daughter was only four, so I'm not sure. She was either four or five years old when this event took place. Um, It was about two full months had passed before Mr. Jackson and the 18-month-old baby were found in the ditch by two men clearing brush near Fredericksburg. On March 4th, Mr. Jackson was found face down with his hands tied behind his back and a single bullet wound to the back of the head. But when they moved him, they found a second family member, the 18-month-old baby. Her cause of death was suffocation, most likely from the weight of her father's dead body. Then March 21st came around and the bodies of Miss Jackson and the four-year-old daughter, were found in the woods near Annapolis, both showed signs of torture and sexual assault. The assaults were assumed to be pre- and post-mortem." So that means Reese put the two of them through tons of sexual assaults and torture before killing them, and then being a necrophile, he also did the same thing post-mortem, so after they had passed. Rather, after he had murdered them. After searching the area, police came across the same building they found during the investigation into Margaret's death. This time, they found fresh tire marks near the building. Uh, This is when police believe that the two murders were done by the same person. An anonymous letter was sent to the police saying that they should look into Melvin David Reese. The letter claimed that Reese would often sit and talk philosophically, about different subjects. One conversation recently was about murder and if it could ever be considered acceptable. According to the writer in the letter, Reese thought that it was just a part of the human experience and only individual standards make it right or wrong. The writer gave the date of the conversation being January 10th, the day before the Jacksons were abducted. Um, I believe later on, the writer had also said that they had been um, doing benzos and drinking, and it was just one of those kind of random conversations that you might have when you're doing drugs. However, after this happened and the story broke, the, the friend found it a little odd. The writer later identified himself as Glenn Moser. A friend of Melvin Reese, Glenn also revealed that Reese was in West Memphis, Arkansas. Finally, when they arrested him in Arkansas and police were going through the apartment that he was in, they had found notebooks where Reese had written about what he had done to the Jackson family. The U.S. Army sergeant uh, was able to identify Melvin Reese as Margaret's killer. Later, Reese was convicted in Maryland for the murder of Margaret and was sentenced to life in prison. He was then on trial in Virginia. Virginia convicted him and sentenced him to death, um, which was eventually commuted to life in prison. Reese died of a heart attack in prison in 1995, but before he passed away, he spoke with reporters and confessed to two other murders the murders of Shelby Venable and Mary Feller. Both were teenagers, um, and he was suspected of an additional two murders of two more teenagers, Michelle Ryan and Mary Somat. I'm sorry, I butchered that. But never spoke of those, so they were never able to confirm that he was their killer. Um, He was also never convicted or brought to trial for any of the murders of the four teenagers. And the cases are still considered open and cold today. Well, that is all for today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed this case. I enjoyed researching this case. It was very interesting. And it's rare that I hear or see about any of the uh, Virginia cases like this. Uh, So these are always super interesting to me. I hope you come back next week for another interesting episode. I really hope you enjoyed this one. If you did, please be sure to leave me a comment um, and a review, which really helps me out. If you want to follow me, you can follow me on Instagram at TailwagonTrueCrime on Facebook at Tailwagon True Crime and if you want to email me please feel free to email me at thescotco-media at gmail.com I hope you guys stay safe out there see you next week Wagon True Crime is a production of Scott Co Media and these podcasts wouldn't be possible without the assistance of my sidekicks Aston and Simba.